We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Guys, come on, please quit it with the dick pics. Enough already. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here in Las Vegas. We're going to talk about Michael's email on Romantic Truth. Oh boy, here we go. Hey dude, I hope things are fine. I love your show. Things seem to be going well on your end of the street. Everything's going well on my end of the street. I don't live that far away from you. I'm in Henderson. I guess you know where that is, LOL. Met a lady recently, and we decided to rendezvous on the strip. We both have different lives for sure. She's into the medical profession, I work at a call center. We met the other evening, had a wonderful day. I got home, and the first thing I hear, don't cheat on me. I don't care to have that in my life. I don't need somebody that's going to micromanage me. I don't need someone that's going to control me. I just want to be loved. Maybe if you can do that, that's enough. After I called her and talked with her, I found that she was very, very, very insecure. And I'm really afraid to get into a relationship with her. The only thing she told me about was horror stories of her past relationships. And now, she's got me thinking that it can only get worse on my end. Your thoughts? My thoughts are simple, sir. I think that Overall, you're dealing with a situation where this lady, at any given point in time, is going to clamp down on you, try to isolate you, and try to make you feel like she feels. See, one thing about insecure people in general, they try to transfer that insecurity onto their partner. And this is how they get along. See, if they have a strong partner that's confident, they usually walk away, shy away usually. And from my experience, and I've been out on the dating scene for a very long time, I can tell you, I've seen this happen a plethora of times. Now another thing that happens also that we don't like to face with these types of individuals is that they normalize that insecurity in the relationship. And when that happens, that means you're walking on eggshells at some point. Usually these relationships start out where they're not balanced. Now the one thing I want you to keep in mind is that many times people think you have the disadvantage. You need me, I'm this person, I'm that person. No, 
I don't need you. No one needs anyone else. And this is what they try to go on. They try to give you the illusion that you need them. And you really don't. You do fine by yourself. Now, there's another element to this that we have to look at. And that's the fact that why are they insecure? Usually it's because of something that's happened to them in the past. And there's a plethora of things that we can point out. Many of them would be abuse, being used, being run over in relationship after relationship, being cheated on, being left behind, you name it. But see, here's the thing. And a lot of people are going to be pissed at me about saying this, but I'm going to say it. A lot of times when you're cheated on by a partner, it has to do with the fact that they've already assessed and sized you up, and cheating was a better alternative than being with you. I know it sounds odd, it sounds kind of jaded, it sounds personal. Now, here's what I'm getting at. In the other episodes I talked about cheating and how it relates to an inferiority complex and this is what happens with that because overall when a person gets to a point where they feel as though that partner is making them feel down they would cheat. Remember I tell you how women would do it with uh, feeling like they are emotionally abandoned? Well, men will also do it for an opportunity to be with someone that will make them feel better. And how is that? Well, that other woman is maybe younger, maybe more attractive. So this is his way of pulling themselves out of the doldrums. And they do this. Now, there's some relationships where they get along because the, both of the partners don't ask any questions of each other. A guy can come in at 4 o'clock in the morning. She doesn't ask him any questions. She could go out with her girlfriends on a Saturday night and not come home until Tuesday. He doesn't ask any questions. Now, the reason why this is done is because they're coping with each other. And in some cases, they may classify it as trusting. But usually it's more coping than trusting. See, a trusting person would be considerate of their partner, and they would probably call them and say, hey, how's that things going? Are you okay? Et cetera, et cetera. But you have those couples that literally don't see each other for a few days, and they carry on fine right after they rendezvous again. So it varies in that respect. Let's go on here. All right. Shelley writes the following. I've listened to your show. You've given me some stellar advice. I really appreciate it. You're one of the better mentors than some of the others I've listened to, even some of the celebrities. It's all about hype and glam with many of them. I want to thank you first for getting that designation with Queen and King separated because that was very important. My boyfriend always wanted me to call him King. I thought it was the stupidest idea ever. One thing for sure, he is insecure 
and you're right. He fell back on the alpha male complex. We know how that goes. I'm really thinking about breaking up with him. We've only been together six months, and it seems like the more we're together, the less confident I'm in to his leadership and into him as a man. He picks fight with men for no reason. He's always trying to talk about he's an alpha male beating his chest. He's every bit of five feet seven, weighing a buck fifty at best. I kind of love him, but now I'm at a point where I'm really afraid one of these times he's going to bite off something he can't chew with one of these guys that he's trying to provoke. If you can, could you please convey your sentiments and hopefully he will be listening. Shelly, Spokane, Washington. Shelly, here is the thing that I would say. Look, people that use self-appropriated titles, I say this over and over again, that smacks of the biggest form of insecurity ever. Let's face it. Let's go through this again. Queen Elizabeth is queen because her parents had a female. She was a princess. Parents that had the patriarchal line in the family died she takes on the role of queen. She's now the queen. God forbid, it will be, the torch will be passed over to Prince Charles. If something were to happen, Prince Charles becomes King Charles and his wife becomes princess. Now, if it goes down to William, William becomes King William and his wife remains a princess. You won't find two people with the same power on the throne at the same time. There's a reason for this. Princess Grace, when she married in Monaco, she was a princess. And the reason being she was considered a foreigner, a commoner, so therefore royal blood is not going to flow through her veins. So she would never be of that level. I think what has happened, we have taken a childhood concept as adults and we put it into the context of our everyday lives. People treat you according to the way you act. So if you come across calling yourself kings and queens, these people are going to treat you like children. This is the way it goes. Many African Americans want to know why they be why they're still treated like kids. This is the reason why. The vernacular. Shawty. You go down the list of things. That's what it comes down to. Now, I will tell you this much. For the most part, he's trying to project an image because he doesn't wait that much. He's not feared. He's trying to make people fear him. But see, he's doing that because of his own insecurity. See, a confident man doesn't have to do that. A confident woman doesn't have to do that. They don't have to call themselves queens or anything else. They could just be themselves. And see, the thing is, Shelley, you are a confident woman. 
you're dealing with an insecure man, that relationship's never going to work. Because what's going to happen is, with insecure people, they start tightening up on the rules for you. And when they get to a point of having their self-esteem stroked, the first thing they try to do is to come up over you. And believe it or not, insecure people are usually the first people to cheat. They will go and make demands for people not to cheat, but they'll be the very one who will cheat. Because what they're doing is externalizing their own fears for themselves. They project that on the others. It's easy, very easy to figure this out. So you've made the right choice. And I hope he does get the message. Okay, let's see what we have here. Bart, short for Bartholomew, I guess. I'm currently dating a lady that is really nice. The only problem I see with her is that she's devoted too much time to her family. Everything we do is a family gathering or some sort of family event. I took her on a date recently. I'd be damned if we didn't wind up going by her house and spending most of the evening with the family. I've been trying to tell her this in a politically correct way, but she doesn't get it. Any idea as to how I can explain this to her, where she would better understand where I'm coming from? Bartholomew, he wrote it down here, St. Petersburg, Florida. Well, Bartholomew or Bart, depending on how you'd like to be called, I will tell you this much, sir. Oh, man. Here, here's the thing. Trying to separate a person from their family, even though it's healthy for you to do it, don't do it. Because what they're going to do at that point is thinking that you are a threat. When they think that you're a threat, they're not going to have anything to do with you because at that point, they feel as though you're pulling them away. Here's the thing you have to realize, Bart. The reason why a lot of people are single is because they still use the same thing over and over and over. And they're thinking that the world's going to change for them when they have to realize they need to change for the world. A lot of people don't like doing that. They get set in their ways and they become stubborn. This is one of the reasons why I rarely date women over 60 because of that same phenomenon. I had to check it in myself because as I got older, I got certain ways set that I had to change. But now I had to also realize not to BS myself and call things as I saw it. Now here's the problem with you. You like this woman and you dead set on trying to make her see where you're coming from. The problem is she doesn't want to see it. She's been down this road before with other guys. You're not the first. What it comes down to is she's like my way of the highway on this. And you will find people who will do this. They will come across and they will say things like, oh, we could work it out mutually. We could be this or we could be that. But in reality, what they're talking about is this is the way it's going to be if you're going to be with me. And the thing is, Bart, in this situation, you don't have to be with her. Let her go on with her family. 
because I've been through this before years ago. There was a lady that I was dating one time, and we had just started dating about two weeks. That's when she hit me with the family thing. Everything was family, family, family. I had paid for reservations at this nice restaurant that we were going to go to down in Newport Beach. What she wanted to do all night was sit down and go through five photo albums of pictures of people that, you know, and I was respectful. They were, you know, family members and stuff. But it got to a point after the second photo album, it was like, uh, you know, we're going to be late. And she said, yeah, we will. When I got there to the restaurant, she scolded me about rushing her because she wanted to show me all the pictures and she wanted to go back after the date and finish looking at the pictures. And I'm like, <laughs> and so it just got to a point where she says, you know, I don't think we're going to make it because um, you're not a family oriented man. And I said, well, sounds good to me. And her eyes got big because she thought that for sure that she had that leverage with me. And I said, no, you need to go on and find someone who can accommodate you like that. And she says, I can't believe you're not going to try to talk me out of walking away from you. I said, no. I said, I appreciate it because you belong with your family. And this is what you have to do with this man. One thing I will tell you, whatever the sole focus is of that person, that's going to always win. It's just like an addiction. You can't fight it. Remember what I told you. You got to deal with the character of the person, the behavior of the person, the situation they bring to you, and the X factor, that thing you don't know about. More in a moment, folks. I'm with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Now, let's talk about something that's very important. There are some of you out there thinking and believing that there is the perfect relationship. Some of you think that you get with the right guy or get with the right lady, that everything is going to be perfect or damn near flawless. Let me break some news to you. That's a big-ass lie, and if you believe it, you are a fool. There is no such thing as a perfect relationship. What you see when you see couples together, smiling, laughing, holding hands, hugging, kissing, you name it. It took work for them to get to that position. Now, what is the work that's involved? Everyone has the fundamental characteristics I always talk about, the character, the behavior, the situation, and the X factor. You have to make compromises on many of those, if not all of them, in order to get along with your partner. There are many of these uh, disillusionments that you will have to deal with. A lot of things that you thought were one way 
only to find they were not as you had perceived them. Broken promises, you have to deal with that. You have to deal with dysfunctional patterns in the relationship. And it comes down to what kind of dysfunctions you can tolerate and you can manage as a couple. And this becomes very difficult for many people, especially when people are narcissistic and think they're perfect or think that it's the other person's problem or it's their fault. People love to project blame. And these are things that will cripple the relationship. Many couples are still walking around with unresolved issues. Some of those very couples you see walking hand in hand in the sunset. And they push those differences under the rug. They don't want to deal with them. They have certain landmines that they don't want to activate or talk about. That could really upset the apple cart. But the problem with this, those latent, dormant issues... When they do come back, and if you're faced with a crisis in a relationship, these things are guaranteed to sever it, to be the deal breaker, to end it. One thing to keep in mind, even though we love to romanticize relationships, the potential for a breakup begins the minute you two are together. It's always there. And the thing is, couples that recognize that that potential is there work harder to remain together. But sometimes you have to weigh when are you giving in too much on both sides of the equation? When is it so bad that you guys really don't need to be together? And some of you don't know when that watermark is. The first abusive comment. The first time he lays hands on you, you lay hands on him. Them telling you it won't happen again. Here's what you have to look at. Even though it may not happen again, the likelihood is that it will. Did you sign up for a relationship to be hit, to be demeaned, to be degraded? Most people don't sign up for that. And then there are people who cope with that. And this is where they make their mistake. Because you have to understand what is valid to cope with and what's not. Abuse and neglect are two things that are not valid to cope with. But some of you are in love with the person so much that you don't love yourself. Because the energy you would give yourself, you're giving it to someone else. That power. That reverence. So in that regard, what it does for you, it makes you feel in a way less than. Some of you go into relationships with repressed desires. See that a lot. These are the people that I talk about with that X Factor who have full knowledge of something they need to disclose to their partner, but they're going to wait until after their end of relationship with them, and then they'll disclose it. With the premise being that they will accept what they've tolerated for so long. 
even though they didn't know that they were tolerating it. But from that person's perspective, you've been with me for X number of months or so many years, now I can come out and bring this X factor into the equation. And you should accept it. Some people feel that way. The reason why relationships are so unpredictable is because you're dealing with feelings, you're dealing with moods. And very seldom do people use logic in some of the decisions they make. They use emotional judgments. You know, it's like having the witness on the witness stand. And you hear these people say, oh, well, she didn't cry enough, so I don't think she really is remorseful. How would they know what the person is feeling? They don't. They can only go by the external factors that are displayed, as if there's some kind of human lie detector. Well, the same holds true when it comes to relationships. You're going with hunches, you're going with guesses. But when you can go and point out certain patterns of behavior, that helps you as a couple. Some people take it as a threat because they look at it from the standpoint, well, let's just focus on the good things in the relationship. Let's not look at the bad. I get a lot of your emails condemning me for pointing out some challenges in relationships. And the reason why you do this is because you're becoming very defensive. And this is not going to help you in your own relationships because you're deflecting from a lot of things that need to be addressed. Because you know damn well many of you are one crisis away from a divorce or from a breakup. Plain and simple. And many of you don't want to admit that. See, we go into a relationship with a little delusion. We all do that, men and women. We think things will be better than they actually are. And we have to prepare ourselves for that level of disappointment that we will experience. This is the reason why expectations are so important. This is the reason why when you set those expectations, fulfilling the obligations associated with those expectations are vital. Conflict resolution. Makeup sex is not conflict resolution. That's just makeup sex to make you feel good. Because as you go on and put band-aids over these problems in your relationship, it doesn't sanitize the wound. The only thing it does is cover it. So that wound in your relationship can still become infected, even with a band-aid on it. Because you haven't take an alcohol and put it in there, peroxide, to clean it out. Everything's fine. You cherry-pick relationships. Well, you only focus on the benefits of them. That's the reason why you have so many people now that just get into relationships to get attention. They go on Instagram, they get all these likes, and they want to go into real life and get those same kind of likes from people. And they find a partner where they get all likes. But you have to remember. 
There's not a relationship on this planet that has no form of dysfunction in it. All of them do to a certain degree. It's the magnitude of the dysfunction that you have to cope with and that you guys have to work on and work through. However, many of you don't know how to measure that. So you wind up being used by partners for sex, for money. You wind up being hurt by partners because you're trying to fight an addiction that this person had. And this person is letting you fight that addiction while they sit back and try to make you an enabler. These are things you have to think about before you get involved with someone. And we have a lot of people that say, well, you know, that's the reason why I don't want a relationship. I just want to date. What that is, to be quite frank with you, it's a cop-out. I'll play it safe. And that way, there are no worries. But yet, these same people who say they love that lifestyle, and these are the people that usually say they love being single, and they're lying through their teeth. What it comes down to is they don't want to be hurt. They want to lessen their chances of being hurt. But they, in the same breath, get upset when they're treated like a commodity instead of a human being. And they're saying, well, the only thing these men want is sex. Well, the only thing you wanted was just to go out on a date, and that was it. The only thing you wanted to do was just have sex yourself, and that was it. So, are you expecting more? And what happens a lot of times, they want the benefit of the relationship without the responsibility, without the commitment. And that's where they fall short. And then three or four or five babies later, they realize they're now serious about a commitment because they're tired of being taken for granted. After all of these men have used them, or in some cases, all these women have used the guys. So what it comes down to is not only choosing a person that you like and can eventually love, but also you got to look at the character of that person, the situation they bring to you, the behavior they display, and have room for the X factor. So what you do is you try to minimize the amount of risk in the first categories. So that last category, you have enough room for compromise, understanding, change, and behavior, or whatever it takes in order to adjust, in order to retain that relationship. The reason why most people don't like relationships is because it requires work. What they want is an automatic pilot type of situation where they could just go in and wave the magic wand and everything is fine. And the first sign of trouble, they gloss over it. They kick the can down the road, pretty much like the United States does its deficit and does its uh, national debt. Let somebody else deal with it until there are no more chances to kick it down the road and you have to deal with it. 
Now, here's another factor that you have to look at that most people don't. When you're dealing with another person and you're trying to figure out a way where you guys can resolve these problems, you have to, after you figure out how you're going to do it one time, what you need to do is to perfect that process so that as you face more challenges in the relationship, you guys have an understanding and a methodology and a process in order to deal with those issues. The silent treatment is not a resolution. The only thing you do with the silent treatment is prolong the situation and the agony. Nothing changes because some people have this thing where Oh, time will change everything. Time does nothing but pass. Situation's still there reading the newspaper, waiting for you to resolve it. It doesn't go anywhere. So these are things that you have to think about when you're getting involved with someone. It's far deeper than their physical appearance. It's far deeper than the superficial interactions that you have. It's far deeper than going out on a date and spending a lot of money. It's a lot deeper than buying gifts. It's a lot deeper than being with a person and kissing them and making love to them and having sex. Far more than that. But this is where a lot of people love to stop and define a relationship based on that. And that's the reason why many of you wind up with a 51% divorce rate. Because of this. Because there's not a solid foundation established in the relationship. And that's what has to prevail first. That has to prevail first. And until it does, you're going to have turbulence. You're going to have dysfunction. You're going to have problematic situations where you guys are not going to be able to work together in order to resolve them if you don't think these through and call these problems out at the time that they are problems. Don't let them fester and then try to deal with them on down the road when it's so late that your relationship's in turmoil and crisis. In the next segment, we're going to talk about a few more other things about the 10 most common dysfunctions associated with relationships. All right, the first is the assignment of blame. Blame is something where a person makes an accusation against another partner. Now, what usually happens with this, you have blame, and then after the person blames the partner, they become defensive. Now, this is a situation that could be a circular firing squad for most relationships. You blame your partner for something, and then that partner, instead of trying to resolve it with you, goes on to defensive. And then they eventually turn on the offensive and bring up something else that may be totally irrelevant. 
in order to strike back. So you have this counteraction. Now, here's the thing. The best resolution is for both of you to take responsibility and accountability for your portion of the blame in that situation. Mutual respect, mutual responsibility, a mutual resolution. By both of you claiming ownership to the failure of whatever it was, then you could better work things through. Because what this does, it becomes a bonding moment for the couple. A lot of times, people don't like doing that. They would rather prefer to still point the finger because in that way, it makes them feel better, makes the other partner feels less than. And as long as that partner feels less than, they feel as though they have the leverage of guilt at any point to bestow on the person who's blaming them for something. You cheated. I only cheated because you didn't give me any love and affection. As an example. As opposed to looking at it from the standpoint of we have a problem in our relationship. You're going outside of the relationship and I have played a part in doing so in that I may not have been the person that gave you the attention. And by doing this, what you're doing is you're acknowledging your part in it. Sometimes you may not know. Ask them so that you guys can have a constructive dialogue in order to fix it as a team. But a lot of times people don't like doing that because they go for the self-aggrandizement. Wasn't my fault. That was all on you. And in that way, they'll leverage that so that that person who is still trying to counterpunch will feel guilty. This is not a good look, folks. So just be mindful of it. Both of you are in the relationship. Both of you are equally to blame to resolve it. Warner moment. All right, number two is the threat of exile or abandonment. Now, one thing I want to express on this. Men fear being exiled more than women. Women feel fear of abandonment more than men. So the guy may say something like during an argument, I'm out of here and leave her. Now, here's the thing. Most people will take this on a temporary basis. Many women that have dated me in the past, for an example, know that when I say I'm out of here, it's literal. I'm not coming back. But some people don't do that. Instead, they put on this show where they'll walk away and 
they come back later and they've softened their tone and they're trying to make amends. The problem is, is that when a person is little about it and take you at your word, you lose your credibility when you come back. You lose your credibility with that person if you keep doing it repeatedly and it becomes this cycle. So you have to be very careful about what you say when it comes down to this. You're in the throes of an argument. Take wrestles when you use the first example where you blame. And then, are you getting blamed of something? And so you threaten a person with, I don't have to put up with this. And you get in your car and you take off. You have now exiled yourself from the relationship. That partner doesn't know where you are. And what does she do? She feels abandonment. Something she didn't want to feel. This is the prime example, folks. The very premise of the reason why I used to meet a lot of women who were in relationships and married. Coming to bars. Coming to restaurants. Coming to nightclubs or any other type of venue because of this. They felt abandoned and now what they want is someone to redress that issue. And they'll be willing to start a conversation. They'll be willing to go through the throes of envisioning themselves with someone where they could be happier with. see this happen in life. Now, let's turn this around for a minute. When a woman's not speaking to a man, she gives him the silent treatment. She's put him in exile. He's trying to figure out what's wrong with it. What's going on? Oh, nothing. Now tell me what's going on. Oh, nothing. Some women do this specifically to get attention. And once they have that exile situation going on, it's a situation where at this point she's going to drag him as long as she can so then she can make her demands and she'll meet those demands just to get him to listen to her and this is what a lot of guys fear now when it comes to the woman he takes off she doesn't know where he is he's not calling her, he's not texting her he's not answering her text and her mind starts to wander. She's upset. She's emotionally distraught. He doesn't come home for a couple of days. And then at this point, she's worrying her girlfriends to death. Girlfriends encourage her to go out to girls' night out or something like that in order to cheer her up. And then they start to commiserate. She gets the advice from a girlfriend. You don't have to put up with that crap. You could do this, you could do that. So, what we also have to face is this. With this situation, a lot of people don't realize that 
you leave someone, take for instance, you're going to abandon her. She made you mad, you're leaving. Now, at that point, she's going to calculate how long you were gone, a lot of times, and how you came back to her. So, fellas, with this, she's going to have an idea of your pattern of behavior. Now, why is this important? You know when a woman really structures her mind to cheat? Guess what she's going to take into account? Your reaction and your behavior to high-stress situations. This is the reason why women who cheat tell the guy that she's cheating with, oh, you don't have to worry about my husband doing this. He does this, this, and this. Because she's recording his pattern of behavior. He's upset, angry, disgruntled or disenfranchised. And she can only go by the historical data. Now, she doesn't know whether or not he may have really gone off the edge or not. But she's only going based on the pattern of behavior that he's displayed in the past. Men do it as well. Yeah, she's just going to yell at me for a little bit and then everything's going to calm down. And I'll come back to the house and everything's fine. Now, for some people, they have difficulty leaving a person. Now, many of you know, who have listened to me over the years, I've always had detachment issues with people. So, I have to remind myself sometimes that, hey, you know, I could walk away from somebody and give a damn whether they live tomorrow. It's just the way it is. And I had to pinch myself every once in a while in order to realize that, hey, this person has feelings, you know. And sometimes you have to do that. You have to look introspectively. So before you walk away, you try to work things out. You try to resolve them. And if you can't, you schedule a time where the two of you can sit down and resolve those issues. Because... The thing is, and this is what I attempt to do every time, that there is something that we have an impasse on. Because the one thing that I don't want to do is when I say, okay, that's it, I'm out, I literally mean it. And once I'm done, not answering any phone calls or anything, we're done completely. There's no coming back saying I'm sorry. There's no, none of that. And the reason for that is I look at it from the standpoint if you make a decision you stick by the decision you make. It's called integrity. It's not a situation where you just snap off and say hey I'm out of here. No. It's a situation where you try to resolve it with the person and if they care not to there's no need to go any further. You're wasting your life with this person when you could be living your life with someone else. That's the way it is. And it's not about who wins in the, in the argument or the disagreement. It's about how well the two of you can work together to resolve it. 
But many of you go into these situations trying to win, trying to shame the other, trying to make the other look bad. That's where you make a mistake. And see, one thing you have to remember, if you got yourself in a situation with a person that has an obvious problem, and they're more the problem than you are, another thing you need to think about, what does that say about your judgment on the individual? What does that say about your selection process in that person? These are things that should come into question because you chose that person to be in your life. You chose the behavior that they're going to exhibit. You chose the character of that person. You chose the situation that person's in. And you agree to take on that X factor, whatever that was. So just keep that in mind. So what do you get out of this? Men hate the silent treatment called exile. Women hate the abandonment issue, which comes down to women like to classify it as emotional abuse. Abandonment. Because, see, she is still supposed to be held to that same standard of morality away from her man as she would be with him. Think of it like this. Her husband goes hunting. After they had an argument, the husband just goes hunting. Now, she's back in the cabin. She doesn't know whether a bear got him or not. And he doesn't come back until the next day. Throughout the night, she's been crying. She's been worried. She's been sick, worried about his welfare. And meanwhile, he thinks that he is doing something by accomplishing this. And he comes back, she's upset with him, and now she gives him the silent treatment. Honey, I got two turkeys. Well, that's good that you got the turkeys. And she's not speaking to him. And then you have to deal with that. Now, a lot of people try to resolve this kind of conflict with makeup sex. Only thing makeup sex does is one thing. Let the two of you get sexual aggression out, that anger out, but you still got the same problem still sitting there after you finish. Let's go on to the next. The next on the agenda is dominance and submission. Now, this is one that's very popular now with a lot of these YouTube uh, people. Look, folks, let me tell you something. They have it all wrong with this dominance and submission thing. If you have to tell a woman to submit to you, you're a loser. That means right off the bat, if you have to tell her this, 
What that means is that you are so damn insecure you have to verbalize something that a woman would willfully give to you if she feels as though you deserve it. And it's not really called submission, it's called deference. Now, here's the thing. When it comes down to a relationship, the best way to approach a situation or a problem, you may have one person that have more experience or more of an expertise in the crisis you're dealing with. It's okay to work together as a team and to be interchangeable with it. So like for instance, I'll give you an example. Your couple and the woman's mother needs to have a 24-7 nurse around her. Well, mom lives too far away, so the male in the family, the husband, may have an expertise in the medical profession. The wife may be very good as far as with the numbers. She's doing accounting for a profession. And he could say, hey, you know what? Let's put mom in this one facility where she'll have all the services she needs. Well, the woman, his woman, may make an emotional argument, talk about maybe I want my mom here with me. Now, what happens then, he says, well, honey, what I'd like you to do is look up the numbers on this to see whether or not it's feasible, whether or not it's cost-effective. And she goes and she does it, and she realizes that it would be cheaper for her to go to a facility than for her to be maintained at home, because that means they would have to take time out of the work schedule in order to take care of mom. And in this way, she doesn't feel slighted because she was included in the decision-making process. The problem is that some people want to have the control and just be in charge of everything. Both men and women do this a lot. And they want to be absolute. They're charged with the responsibility of making sure everything is okay. The other person submits and becomes quiet and goes into martyrdom. They feel like a martyr. And it shouldn't be that way. Partners should share equally, 50%. Share the choice, share the responsibility. The thing that most people like to do is by default, they want to be the dominant one. But here's the thing, they want to do that by default without allowing the other partner to see why they should take the lead on a certain thing, a certain situation. Now, if that partner sees, yeah, you know, you have the medical expertise, and then this partner that is the dominant one has that medical expertise in that example I gave, and he defers to his wife to do the numbers to see if it's feasible for her to stay here in a cost-effective way. And she sees, now nah, that's not going to work. What he's done then, he's proven to her by her seeing the numbers that it's not feasible. So she will be more willing to go along with the decision overall because it's justified. 
You know, it's just like when a person goes and you tell them something and they go and Google it. They feel a little bit better when they go and they Google it and find out you were right. This is the problem we have, though, in our society with relationships. People are so concerned about being right, being in charge, being the lead. And what happens if you get an insecure person with an inferiority complex? They're going to be the people telling you to submit to them. And the reason why is because they're not, they don't convey the confidence that a person will defer to them. It's just like, it's the equivalent of a man telling a woman to submit to him just like a woman saying she's a strong black woman or she's a queen. It's what is called self-reassurance. But the only problem is, the only thing they're doing is telling that to themselves. The other people don't believe them because they don't display confidence. What they're displaying is insecurity and vulnerability. And what happens is that partner does not have confidence in their judgment and in their decision-making. And this is where you get the pushback. Especially if that person has a plausible argument and a person who wants to be dominant is just wanting to be dominant, and that's it. This is the reason why a lot of these young men go out there telling women to submit to them and they get their asses handed to them. Because these women, they've never done that no better. and treat these men like they're little boys. Inclusion is the best strategy with something like this when it comes to decision-making as a couple or resolving issues. The dominant thing is not based on gender. It's not based on the stupid stereotypes of the past. It's based on who's the best person to lead at that time with the best expertise and knowledge. Plain and simple. I don't see what's so difficult about it. If you have a wife as an accountant and you needed the books balanced at the house, well, if the husband is a gardener or a lawn care worker, who do you think would be the best person to handle books? The wife in that case. It's only logical. This is the reason why you got to pull your emotions out of logical situations when you think before you love. More in a moment. The next on the list, of course, are grudges. Now, here's the thing with people who harbor these things. One, these people feel as though they're usually perpetually cheated out of something. Uh, they feel as though there's an injustice or some sort of uh, thing that happened in a relationship that they blame their partner for. And they usually are very passive-aggressive in their response. Now, what happens with this, they don't let it go. It's anger is what it is. Because 
they didn't get a chance to get their point across, something didn't go the way they wanted it to, based on a lack of input from their part because the partner overtalked them or maybe put them on a back burner. So the problem happens for them when it's not acknowledged, they get into a situation where they're communicating with their partner most often and they lash out. They don't let their partner know exactly how they feel because if they were to do that, that partner would feel very low and probably feel as though they were literally hated by that person. Now, these people hang on things from the past. You cheated on me 10 years ago. I'm going to bring it up today when I get mad at you. We get into an argument with you, but you forgave me for that. No, but you still cheated. This is one of the reasons why, folks, if there's something like cheating or something like that that takes place, I don't get involved. I leave. The reason being is because I don't hold a grudge, but I can't trust them again. Their integrity has already been ruined for me. I would never feel comfortable trusting them doing the right thing when I'm not around. I would never trust them with my emotions. Can't do it because they've shared their emotions freely with someone else. So therefore, would I trust somebody like that that's supposed to be that close to me? The answer is no. Now, the interesting thing here is with these grudges, these are things that are from the past. And many times, they don't have anything to do with the current relationship you're in. It could be that they had this disposition when they came into the relationship and you had no knowledge of it. Remember that X factor I talked about? Yep, that chip on the shoulder, they get into the relationship. You wonder why they're angry and they got that disposition of victimhood. Many times people are still fighting the last relationship they have in the current one. And because you're a person of the same gender that that person they were in a relationship with before, they're continuing that fight. The only difference is they're continuing that fight with someone that has no knowledge of what happened in the past. So this person can get all their licks in. Whereas if they had to confront the person they were really upset about, they never would. So you have to contend with that component of it. But it's not uncommon for that person that feels as though they were wronged in the past to bring it up again. This is the reason why I tell people more so than anything, if someone cheats on you, you just give them one more chance. And the way you give them that chance is, I will work with you and we'll go to counseling in order to try to resolve this issue between the two of us. But this is the only time I'm going to help you through this. If this happens again, we're done. You give them one time for rehabilitation and after that, that's it. Because the problem is, 
you keep accepting it, then it becomes a norm for that person. And when it becomes a norm for them, it becomes a norm for you, and then that means you accept the behavior. Which means that the standards that the two of you agreed on when you first started are moot at that point. All right, so let's go on. The other thing about grudges is that they can also be transferred to other people. They go put it in their kid's ear, put it in their family or relative's ear, and now not only does the person you're in a relationship with have a grudge, so does people that are external, outside the relationship, against you. This is the reason why when some of you guys cheat, everybody that the two of you know knows about it. Confidentiality is something else in relationships, I tell you, isn't it? Conflict resolution, something else in relationships. So just be mindful that sometimes you're contending with a grudge and don't even realize it. More in a moment. Ownership is the next category. Now, here's the thing. In some relationships, a person is so insecure, have an inferiority complex, where they have to own you, your possession. They try to isolate you. They try to control you, even your thought process. They do this out of their own insecurity because they're afraid you're going to leave. Now, here's the thing. Ownership should be mutual between both partners. And what I mean by that primarily is that you don't have to own each other. You respect each other. You work together on problems and issues to resolve them. See, the problem with a person who has a partner who wants to assert ownership is that they have to go and by default be submissive, by default repress their opinions, their beliefs, in order to cope with that person. Now, here is the thing. When this person finally realizes that they're being dominated, they're being controlled, the first thing they're going to do is run out that door as quickly as possible. A person who's in a balanced healthy relationship with a partner who acknowledges that both of them have ownership to a degree. But that ownership does not associate itself with dominance. Ownership of responsibilities in a relationship between the two of them. So what that conveys is that you trust me, I trust you. And my commitment to you, because I love you, outweighs being a piece of property of insecurity for you. And this person 
feels as though they can leave the relationship at any time. The door is always open. And the interesting thing is the majority of people do not leave because they're comfortable with the environment that the partner provides. However, these people that are asserting ownership and they have to have complete control, those are the people that are fearful of losing their partner. It's like you're in love with the person that is the country of North Korea compared to being in love with someone who's in the United States. North Korea tried to keep their people in. East Germany used to try to keep their people in. That's the way an insecure person is in a relationship. And by the way, this is an added footnote, being that it was the recent uh, death, well, recent anniversary of the death of the former head of uh, North Korea before Kim Jong-un, they have this <laughs> ridiculous uh, situation where the people are not allowed to laugh, they're not allowed to drink, smile, dance, and that was something else they couldn't do throughout this mourning process. When you live in a country where they can dictate how your personal expressions have to be, you're in bad shape. But then again, there are people in relationships like that also. It's just something for you to think about. If someone treats you like property, that's not love. That's ownership. One moment. The next category, disloyalty. Now, this is where Usually, most women will wind up. Some men do, but most women in relationships will wind up. They get into a complicated situation. Take, for instance, the issue that I brought up earlier about the woman being abandoned. Husband gets pissed off, he takes off. She gets on the phone or gets online on social media and starts telling the third party about their business. This is the reason why folks keep your relationships off of social media. They don't belong there. And when you open that up, you deserve whatever you get. Bad comments, you name it. Now, here's the problem. When this occurs, and this person goes and tells other parties about you, the worst thing that can happen is for this person to tell someone who's a mutual friend. Their perspective is going to change on you. Uh, depending on the degree of disdain your partner may have, they may discuss all of the weaknesses you have. Ladies, this is what men do when they get with prostitutes or they get with that woman that they really want real bad. 
they will go and purge. They will tell this woman everything about you, your weaknesses, some of your strengths, but mainly the negative things, the things he doesn't want. And so she's going to make sure to make mental notes. So if she ever confronts you or meets you, she can unload on you and tell you things about yourself you don't even know because you don't know anything about her and you don't even know that she knows this information about you. And this is one of the reasons why dishonesty is very dangerous. The thing is, that person knows more about you and you know nothing about them a lot of times. So, with this, you get this third party involved. And God help you, ladies, if she's one of your girlfriends and you're purging, telling telling her everything that's wrong with that man, and she's saying to herself, yeah, I could deal with that, I could deal with that, I could cope with that, I could correct that, I could work on that. And you're thinking that you have now totally discredited him And a girl has an option to either go back and tell him everything you said in order to put a wedge in a relationship to break it up. Or what she can do is act on what you've told her and make her more appealing to him where he will leave her, leave you for her. And usually it's the latter choice that takes place because in that way, her hands are clean. She can always come back and say, well, he came to me. I didn't come to him. And this is uh, one of the issues that you'll have. Now, the problem is sometimes you go emotional with this. Girl, I don't know why I'm dealing with him. He got a little dick. Um, I don't know. I think he's gay. It's like his butt tickled and all this stuff trying to demean him. Well, her girlfriend said to herself, well, hell, I'll tickle his ass. He's fine. He's handsome. I'll do all the things she won't do. And I deal with the little dick. That's what a lot of women think. And so, at this point, she thinks she's discredited him and made him the lowest of the low. But in essence, what happened is giving her girlfriend the incentive to pursue him. And the only thing she has to do is just to make the applications so that this guy will respond. And nine times out of ten, she's going to wind up with him. Disloyalty is never a good thing. The next issue is the winner-loser argument. Now, in this particular context, what happens is some people get into an argument, couples, and they put themselves at diametrically opposed positions. Now, the problem is whenever you get into a point of conflict, you have to come up with innovation in order to actually resolve the issue. Many arguments and many situations go unresolved. So what happens, you will have this adversarial disposition between the two people. Now, here's some of the things that will help you. If you find yourself in a verbal confrontation with your partner, 
First of all, let's make some guidelines and some rules. It's okay to have a debate, healthy debate. Argument, not so much. The reason being is the tendency is to personalize it, to dehumanize your partner, call them names, make them feel less than. Well, let's not go there. Instead, take that off the table with your partner, the name caller. Other things you want to take off the table. Things that are irrelevant to what you're disagreeing about. You want to stay on topic. So what this means is the two of you can't get along, for instance, and you take out two sheets of paper, you write down your perception of the problem, she does the same. Then you swap papers to make sure you're mad about the same thing or arguing about the same thing. If not, make it an item on the agenda to resolve after you finish resolving the primary issue. Now, what you're going to do is have three steps with this. You're going to write your response to the first problem. Swap papers. And then that person comes in with a counteroffer. A counteroffer of compromises to what they can do. Swap papers again. Your response as to whether or not you guys can agree. Or do you need to go on with more counteroffers until you get down to a point. Now, don't be afraid sometimes to make it where if you guys still cannot agree on something, where you can also set a scheduled date and time to resume the conversation about this. Conversation, not argument. And remind each other, put it on your calendars. Make it like a date and you guys could still go and talk it out. But you'll be in a different environment, different frame of mind. And you won't be pointing a finger at each other. And actually, you could take that traumatic experience and make it a fun experience between the two of you. Go to an ice cream parlor and say, okay, we got to work on this project because we still don't agree here. But what has happened is you, you, the two of you have become so familiarized with the issue that you disagree on that you've taken the personalization out of it between you and your partner. And now it's become more of a problem standing by itself. And the two of you are trying to figure out how to resolve it. Plain and simple. Now, I know there's some acts that a person commits, such as cheating and those kind of things. It's very, very difficult to do. But let me tell you something. Much of that motivation for cheating is not really for debate because the partner that didn't cheat is not the one that really has the issue. The person who didn't cheat has to deal with the coping mechanism to try to stomach you for the rest of the relationship because of your behavior. But there could be other things. But even with this, <clears throat> you need to come up with a plan. You need to come up with a contingency plan. And what will happen as you guys go through this problem, and I'm not saying that it's going to be something that you can smooth over and it's all going to be kumbaya, but here's the thing. It puts you in a more rational context where the two of you can sit down and really talk things through and figure out a strategy 
to solve the problem constructively without damaging each other and taking each other down. And once that happens, then what you'll start to do is respect each other even that much more, which means the two of you are respecting your relationship that much more. And the reason why you don't see these people arguing in public, folks, is because they've already figured out a way of dealing with conflict resolution. Plain and simple. More in a moment, folks. Oh, one thing that I want to also add here. There are no winners and losers in this kind of situation. The winner is actually the loser when they think that they're winning. And the reason for this is because, yes, the other partner has quit talking. But guess what else has happened? They've quit listening and quit cooperating. So what are you winning? Absolutely nothing because you're in the relationship by yourself at this point. That person has checked out. For a moment. Let's talk about snapshots versus motion pictures. Now, we're not talking about photos and movies, of course. We're talking about vignettes. And for those of you who don't know, vignettes are a little short, um, kind of like a collage of things that have taken place in the relationship. Now, women usually like more snapshots and vignettes than men. Women are very nostalgic. Now, sometimes they will bring up subjects just to try to prove that point, but they're not really um, things that have to be logical. They just have to be something that kind of proves the point on the surface, but does not have to prove the point any deeper than that. Usually you'll find this in conflicts. And it will go something like, well, you know, honey, you know, you're spending too much on those shoes. Well, I didn't say anything about when you wrote that lady on the internet. Yeah, but it wasn't what you thought it was. Well, no, no, you wrote another woman on the internet, and that's all we need to discuss. Women will do this a lot. And what it is, it's about just proving a point in order to deflect from what is actually going on. Men do this as well. Now, the problem with some men, and some women as well, they will go and try to relive the whole incident. That movie reel I talked about, that's what they would like to do. Drag you through that whole incident again. I have a relative that constantly brings up things that are so far in the past that are so irrelevant, but they bring them up. And the problem is, the more this person does it, the more distance I put between us. And this individual doesn't realize it. And the reason being is because other people notice that they notice this and they do the same thing accordingly. Now, The same holds true when it comes down to other situations you're dealing with with your partner. 
It happens. Seeing the same old real, same old thing. Nothing new. All negative. Now imagine going through that in a relationship with a partner. It gets old. Nobody wants to hear that shit no more. And this is what happens. Now, another thing you have to come to grips with is this. They will act as though their feelings are hurt or they may be genuinely hurt when you tell them about this. But here is the thing. For them, that's the only thing that they have that make them feel better than you. And so they go to, from provocateur to victim in seconds. And that's where the problem comes in a lot of times. So snapshots of motion pictures, when it comes down to relationship threats, can be used in a way that is really unhealthy more so than it's healthy. See, a person will go and be nostalgic and remember those pleasant times in their lives. A lot of times as men, many of those times we've failed, lost out, whatever happened, we want to get rid of those memories. That's bad news for us. We don't want to deal with that, which makes sense. So overall, what it comes down to is that when you start holding a partner responsible for something that they've already admitted to, something that has already been addressed, something that's already been done, rolling back that motion picture of that event in the relationship does not help the relationship. It makes it very unhealthy. And some people don't realize that. Let's go forward here. Boundary violations are one of the biggest problems in relationships. All of these that I've mentioned so far are legitimate dysfunctions in relationships, things that you will have to manage. There are many more, but we're just pointing out these few. Boundary violations. Where a person feels violated is when you come into their personal space, personal thoughts, without any regard, regard or respect. That includes property and any other things. Now, usually, perceptibly, kids look at a boundary violation when that kid is in their room, parents come in at any time, they search the room, they check it out, and this is the motivation for many kids to leave home. They have a violation of their privacy. Nine times out of 10, this is one of the major factors for them to leave home. Now, another thing too. Being that you're reared a certain way will dictate how you appreciate those boundaries. 
Your parents respected your room. They not before they came in. When you go into a relationship, you respect a person's place. Um, when you go into a situation where, take for instance, you're in a roommate situation. You respect each other's room. You don't break the plane of their room. You knock on the door. You speak to them personally, and you get their permission before you go into their room, even though you're all in the same residence. That's the way that works. Now, here is the issue. It comes down to folks where... Some people feel as though there should never be any boundaries. And so you got to remember, the reason why people like boundaries is to protect their personal insecurities. That's what it is. We all have insecurities, all of us. That's what makes us human to a certain degree. The problem is when we try to externalize those insecurities and modify other people's behavior based on those insecurities. Those were our problems that we have to deal with, not someone else's that they have to manage. So, now, what does this mean overall? This means that for you, a person who has boundaries and respect the person that you are going to be in a relationship with, that person may not have that same regard for you. So they go through your cell phone. You may be in a relationship where the woman may say something like, I want to try something tonight. And you're like, oh, okay. But that person doesn't tell you. She may go put two ice cubes in her mouth and then give you oral. And then some of you guys that had that done, especially with crushed ice, ugh, that is really weird. Or the guy may just turn you over during sex and just go and take his pleasure with anal or whatever. He's violated you. And see, the problem is, these people will think it's okay because they're going without your consent. They feel as though because you're in a relationship, remember that thing we talked about ownership? Yeah, they kind of got that little thing going on. And with this, they feel as though they're entitled to come in and break those boundaries. You see how all this correlates, all this dysfunction. It all connects to everything we've discussed so far. It all connects. And the reason why it does is because this is usually the routine, the pattern that many people have to contend with in their relationship. And with this, you have to call it out when you see it. Let your partner know, hey, you know what? We're going in this direction. Maybe we need to short this up. Because, see, the one thing you're going to have to remember is, through it all, you're trying to balance the relationship as far as power, respect, dignity, and risk. You're trying to mitigate risk together. And you could do it as a couple, but the thing is, you got to do the WRK. And this is what separates you from many of the failures that are out there on these dating sites. Trying to find someone and not realizing 
they're so screwed up that nobody wants them for those reasons because they can see it right before they meet the person. That's the way it goes. And these folks aren't willing to change. They're looking for somebody weak enough in order to accept them. That's the difference. Not someone that's strong enough to help them change, but someone who's weak enough so they don't have to. Now, another thing here. Um, also, when it comes down to this, this boundary thing, people that don't have any respect for their partner, they immediately throw those things out the window. That's the reason why a lot of you ladies, you get into a relationship, the guy's got this facade going on, you really like him, and then the first time he lays hands on you, if he does, God forbid, it's a shock to you. You don't understand what to do. You're disoriented. You're like, where did that come from? The reason why these guys do this is because as they see it, since you didn't say anything about it, since you didn't set those boundaries, there's nothing off limits. And these guys will try to go and see how far they can take it. And then they come back with, I'm sorry, I apologize and all this. But you got to remember, if he ever lays hands on you, calls you out of your name, anything like that, trust me, he's done that with someone else before. Fellas, same thing with women. If she's doing that now, she's done it before. They will lie and say that this is their first time. And the reason for that is because they're testing your boundaries. They're testing how far they can go with you emotionally. And sadly, the more you tell these people as you go along about yourself and your weakness and vulnerabilities, the more they're going to turn the knife inside you emotionally. These are toxic people. Get out before. Morning, Mama, folks. Fear and loss is another issue. And of course, this comes down to something that's brought up in the past, such as a snapshot, you name it. An argument from the past that makes this partner feel vulnerable, and when they feel vulnerable, they feel as though they're going to lose the relationship with the person, so they may comport themselves in different ways. In some ways, it may not be so favorable, or they may react in a very desperate manner. If you got your partner on pins and needles like this, it's not a good thing. You need to look for stability. Like I said, communication is important. Consideration is also a component of communication. How you deliver your message, the way you do. Very important. Now, let's go on here and talk about a few things. Many of you have contended with and are contending with 
one of these elements, if not all of them at the same time in concert. This is the work we talk about in relationships. When I refer to dysfunction, this is what I'm talking about in different capacities. But what is the premise for dysfunction? Exposure. Now, here's the challenge. We have to navigate these waters. We're going to talk about this in more detail in just a minute. So what we've done is covered the most threatening issues pertaining to relationships in this particular podcast. And um, as for the record, I want to correct something. Many of you may have read and may have uh, listened to me a while back when I talked about a friend of mine that had a home in California and his property taxes were very high. Well, I got some clarification from him from that because after I listened again and I'm like, well, let me see, he didn't quite say that, I don't believe. I wanted to get a little bit more clarification from him. What he was talking about, because California state uh, property tax is 0.73%, which is not that high. New Jersey has the highest one at 24, at 2.47%. They're the highest uh, in the nation. In New Jersey. It was not that that brought up his prices annually. It was the other taxes he had to pay, the other fees he had to pay, because where he lives in Los Angeles, not as an, in an incorporated area. So he had to pay for fire, he had to pay for police, he had to pay for HOA, he had to pay for all of these other expenses, which mounted up to a considerable sum of money by comparison, not to mention water, those kind of things. So I can understand the reason why he's looking at selling the house and leaving. Now, the one thing that I want you to understand about this show in particular, if there's something that's an error or something like that, I'll catch it and go look it up and correct it. It's called integrity. This is what we have to start with with relationships all the time, right? Makes no difference. You have to do it in life. So, in any case, we're going to go through in probably the next podcast over some of the things, questions I'm going to ask you, just to give you a little point of reference. Um, The questions will start, like for instance, uh, I may ask a question about the relationship. And what you could do is look at it and rate it from a scale of one to five. One being never, two being sometimes or often, three being often, we'll say often, and make two be sometimes, and four would be frequently, and five would be always. So the categories we have Never, sometimes, often, frequently, always. And 
we'll work on those and I'm going to try to get that together and it's like a little stress test for your relationships talk to you next time thank you for listening once again Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.